0: Uh, Mike, you moved shops, and it seems like uh, here you're targeting uh, investors who want to have a strategy that keeps in mind their values.
1: That's right, Oliver. It's great to see you again, and thanks for having me on today. Like Absolutely. a lot of folks, we've, uh, we've moved down to Dallas, Texas. Texas is obviously a great state to do business. And in our new uh, ETF firm, we're taking advantage of the real trend and people wanting to uh, you know, place their values and their capital along the same line. So that's what we're doing here at Faith Investor Services.
0: There's a lot of talk about the ESG world and these specific types of uh, themes and values that people find important. The way they talk about them sounds like religion to me. So why not just have a fund that's guided by those principles, right? I mean, it's two sides of the same coin.
1: That's exactly how I view it. I mean, you know, faith investing preceded ESG, right? I mean, we've had a lot of religious organizations that have invested along their faith for years before the ESG movement came along. So, you know, the whole notion is that you uh, want to do well by doing good, you know, and don't sacrifice your investment goals, but uh, make sure that the way you invest is aligned with your um, moral beliefs. And I think that's a trend that's going to continue to grow.
0: Are there any big sections of the market then that get closed off from this fund?
1: You know, the big one for a lot of restrictions is healthcare, right? You know, there's a lot of um, faith organizations that have restrictions against uh, abortion, contraception. That takes a segment of healthcare out. Of course, on the impact to humanity, you've got, you know, broad sectors, you know, things like pornography that get excluded. Uh, There's companies, you know, that like Amazon that get excluded, say in a Catholic values portfolio because they bought PillPack in 2018 and they deliver the morning after pill, which a lot of people wouldn't think of, uh, Mm. right? So that wouldn't come to mind when you think of uh, stocks that might violate your religious beliefs. So it does speak to why you need an active approach and you need to to dig in and do your analysis.
0: Wow, very interesting. And it sounds like you are not missing anything here. Nothing's falling between (laughs) the cracks, it sounds like. So, uh, Mike, I mean, that's a challenge. If you don't have Amazon in a fund, How do you outperform? Is there any uh, evidence or uh, 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 literature on the ability of being able to outperform through this strategy, or are you not worried about that? Just saying, hey, we know what people want to be in, let's create it for them specifically on that premise.
1: Well, part of the latter, right? You know, There's so much debate over whether ESG more broadly adds value, and you talked about that a few minutes ago. It really depends on the time period you're looking at, right? A lot of ESG funds, uh, we're, we're short energy and of course now this year uh, you know that's a big sector to miss out on when you look at the broader spectrum of faith-based investing you know there's a lot longer history there and I think the evidence shows that you don't take away from your investment returns i wouldn't want to go out on a limb and say you 're going to actually add to returns. I do think long term if you're investing in companies you know that are doing the right things for the environment and not getting costs, you know held up in costly litigation and things that are frankly a distraction for management that should add to your returns over time. But you know, I'll concede that, and just say, look, make sure you're doing things that don't take away from value. So, if there's a healthcare stock that's restricted based on your beliefs, then go ahead and make sure you've got a substitute stock. Do the analysis to make sure, from a portfolio standpoint, you don't have any unintended risk bets in the portfolio. So that does take mm. some some work portfolio
0: construction. And now, Mike, uh, how do you uh, determine how often you revisit uh, every company? I mean, this is going to be a a very uh, strenuous process, I imagine, that requires constant uh, research. And how often does that happen to make its way in the portfolio, quarterly, monthly, is it uh, ongoing?
1: So the um, process is really updated quarterly from a value standpoint, because that's when a lot of the data is refreshed that we can get on the companies. But that doesn't take away from an investment standpoint, we're looking at stocks on a daily basis, right? So, you know, it really is a blend of traditional fundamental investment strategy coupled with a uh, faith-based overlay. So. Again, on the, on the faith side, you're really just dependent on a lot of that data being refreshed on a corp- uh, quarterly basis.
0: Mm. And what's the overall position right now, the way you're trying to approach the market to talk fundamentals here in the strategy? Obviously, uh, you've got an approach that you start with, and then you trim off the parts that don't meet your criteria. What's that uh, baseline skeleton in your view on the market that you want to build on?
1: So the first fund that we uh, offered in the marketplace was uh, KOCG, which is in partnership with the Knights of Columbus Asset Advisors, who are actually the sub-advisor managing the portfolio. So their strategy is a blend of uh, traditional fundamental analysis looking for quality growing companies, yet paying attention to valuation. So it's really more of a core growth strategy uh, when you look at the investment style box. And it's really focused on global companies in largely developed markets and larger cap US stocks. So you know, think of more focus on the top half of the Russell 1000. So looks pretty traditional fundamental uh, when you look at the investment strategy
0: mm. and right now as the market's kind of battling in this debate for whether or not we're going to have inflation as a problem uh where do you where do you stand on that as how to implement uh that into a portfolio right now
1: right even the fed acknowledged yesterday we learned that they're a little more worried that it's not transitory versus yeah. structural. So. Clearly coming out of the pandemic, you expected to see some some big price increases, but the record amount of liquidity that the Fed has increased their balance sheet, you know, we're going north of eight and a half trillion, even with tapering that's likely to start next month into next year, we're still looking at the balance sheet going to nine trillion. So that massive amount of stimulus is gonna find its way into the real economy and generate inflation. Now, it's a double-edged sword. It's one of the reasons we're bullish in the near term, because that monetary effect has a lag to it. So, we're likely to have that as a tailwind and continue to help earnings. But eventually, you know, depending on what form of a bill gets passed on the fiscal side of the House, if it gets passed, that's the debate, right? We are going to have a lot of inflation that's going to be bad. It's not just going to be temporary. So, you know, definitely I'm concerned long term, you know, what Congress is going to do to continue to, uh, you know, to pass out money that
0: we really can't afford to be doing.